Hello and welcome to Modern Day Rebels. I'm Julia Frank and every other week I sit down with a modern day rebel who actively challenges the conventional. We reflect on the current systems in place, uncover the newest findings, and shine light on the areas that are still a work in progress. Together, we demystify terms and topics you might be familiar with, but never had the chance to dive into and answer the questions we didn't know to ask. To start us off, I've got some exciting news to share with you this week. I've been thinking about how I can share more conversations, more valuable content, and more inspiration to help you live a better life. And it starts with an all-new newsletter launching this Sunday, November 1st. This fortnightly newsletter is going to be filled with digestible content, actionable exercises, and my favorite resources to help you create the life you want to live. Every other Sunday morning, I'll be joining you for a virtual chat, a little bit like catching up with a really good friend in your favorite coffee shop. You know, no small talk, just straight to the big, juicy conversations. You can find the sign-up link in the show notes. We'll tackle topics head-on from money to menstruation and anything in between, all the things we're not supposed to talk about. Speaking of menstruation, earlier this year, I read Period Power by Macy Hill, and it was one of those books that genuinely changed my life. I had been on the combined pill for about 10 years and had been thinking about going off it for the past couple of years, but never felt like it was an option because I didn't know of any alternatives. Throughout this decision-making process, I realized I had very little understanding of my menstrual cycle and how hormonal contraception actually work and affect the body. I was also surprised that it's something I didn't look into earlier. It took me 10 years of being on the pill to Google whether or not I ovulate whilst being on it. I think it's because the subject is such a big taboo. Our cycles and fertility are highly politicized and periods are associated with a lot of shame. So I started learning more about our menstrual cycles as I wanted to feel more empowered in my own health. It's still a massive learning curve for me. It's been a little over 90 days now since I decided to stop taking the pill and I'm learning so much about my body on a daily basis. It feels a little bit like I'm 12 again. The fertility awareness method, also known as FAM, is a method I am incredibly interested in and therefore was so excited to chat to this episode's guest, Natalie Daudet, who is a fertility awareness educator. Whether you're a person with a menstrual cycle or not, this episode is incredibly eye-opening. Natalie explains how we can build a relationship with our bodies by understanding our menstrual cycles for better mental, physical, and hormonal health, and how our periods and ovulations are a vital sign of our overall well-being. Throughout the episode, we tackle some common misconceptions around our cycles and hormonal contraception. We chat about how our education on ovulation, hormone cycles, menstruation, and contraception is due for a major update. Before we get started, please note that the information in this episode is for informational and educational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a healthcare provider in regards to your specific circumstances. All right, that's enough from me. Let's dive into the episode. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Julia. I'm really excited to chat with you. To start us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Yeah, so I'm Natalie. I'm based in Winnipeg, Canada, which is in the very middle of Canada. And I grew up here and I've lived here almost my whole life. I teach people to chart their menstrual cycles for birth control. So I teach a form of fertility awareness 
and people can use that information to avoid pregnancy, also to learn about their health or to get pregnant. I'm a social worker, so I'm currently doing my master's of social work and everything that I do revolves around women's health and fertility awareness. And I'm so excited to dive into that topic because I think it's something we we don't really talk about enough. But before we dive in, why do you consider yourself as a modern day rebel or why might someone else? I think there's a couple of reasons. I really love this question and I love the premise of this podcast because I feel like I really align with the idea of being a, a rebel because a lot of what I do is challenging a lot of the notions that we have about our health, about our hormones, fertility, and contraception. And I feel like a lot of what I do and what we do in the fertility awareness world is educate people to be their own advocates because so much of what we teach is contradictory of the Western medical system. So I think for that reason, I see myself as a rebel teaching people to be incredibly self-reliant and to use their bodies as a tool to get to know their health and their fertility. And then I think the other reason is that we live in a really patriarchal, linear culture. And what I teach challenges people to live in a very cyclical way along with their own rhythms and their own menstrual cycle. So I think for that reason too, it's incredibly countercultural, and it challenges all the ways that we tend to do things, all the structures and systems that we live in. So I really think that having this knowledge is incredibly powerful and there are people out there who benefit from women not having knowledge about their own bodies and teaching fertility awareness is a way that I connect to people and help them feel empowered in their own health. And I'm so excited to have you on this podcast to chat about all of those things. Because again, I think it's so important that we start talking about them. How did you get involved with all of this in the first place? So when I was looking for a method of birth control, I remember having a stack of books beside my bed and I was looking at all of the different options, I felt like hormonal birth control was the only option that I'd really heard of. And I just didn't want to have that as my only option. I wanted to explore all the possibilities for contraception. And I also wanted to feel like I was being responsible and I didn't want to get pregnant. So I wanted it to be really effective. So I researched all of my options and wanted to find something that did not involve me taking synthetic hormones. So when I went to my doctor, I kind of had the idea of finding out how to get a diaphragm, which is a barrier method. And in Canada, they're surprisingly hard to find. Uh, You need someone to do a fitting for you and a lot of pharmacies won't uh, fill the prescription for a diaphragm. So my doctor actually recommended that I look into fertility awareness and I didn't know anybody who used FAM except for one family member who had taken a course. So my doctor suggested that I take the same course and on a Saturday morning, my partner and I went to 
uh, a hospital conference room and learned about the fertility awareness method. And it was about a two hour class and it was such impactful experience because I remember realizing that I could track ovulation, that I ovulated and that it happened each cycle, whether I knew it or not, and that I could choose to actually track that knowledge. So I just remember being absolutely blown away that this was happening and that nobody had told me how to pay attention to it. And I started charting my cycles and it just dove into the world of fertility awareness. My first cycle that I charted was over 170 days. So prior to that, I had fairly regular cycles, fairly predictable cycles. I was just tracking on a period tracking app. And then when I started actually tracking my fertility, I started having these incredibly irregular, unpredictable cycles. So I wouldn't ovulate for a really, really long time and I would have just super long cycles. So while I was learning fertility awareness, I was also learning about how to use this information to diagnose and treat and find the root cause of hormonal imbalance. So it's been this journey of learning how to heal my own hormones, learning how to use fertility awareness for effective birth control, and then pairing the two for this really deep knowledge of our own health. Had you changed something with kind of the way that your cycles changed? Or was that just because previously you had essentially been tracking your your period and then you started tracking your ovulation? That's when you really became aware that things weren't as regular as you thought they were? I don't really know. To be honest, I think part of it was the power of observation. Nothing had changed other than I was putting attention on my cycles. And for some reason, that was the point in time when things just started to become incredibly unreliable and it brought up a lot of underlying hormonal imbalance. From then up until now, my cycles have been this indicator that I need to pay attention to and take care of my body because they're the first thing to to go when I'm under stress or when anything is happening in my life. So they've really guided a lot of the decisions in my life. So that awareness has made me really prioritize my health because I really will notice (laughs) through my cycles when things are not aligned. And I think that's a really interesting one, right? Because you mentioned it previously, how living really cyclical actually seems quite counter intuitive to the way that we're living now, right? Like we kind of are seen as consistently having output. We kind of almost thrive with all of our optimization techniques and morning routines to have very similar predictable days. So how have you been finding having those conversations or moving to a more cyclical way of of living? Like I said, it's really influenced every decision that I've made and I've had to change my life to fit around my cycles and to fit around the ebb and flow of my energy and my creativity. Because I find that when I prioritize doing work at time, the time of day or at the time of my cycle, when I'm most creative and motivated and focused, 
I'm able to get a lot more done because I'm actually optimizing that time of my cycle. And then in the times of my cycle where I need to pull away and be more reflective, I'm able to fill my own cup and take care of myself so that when I am in my more creative and motivated phase, I can really do a lot more. So I'm lucky enough to do this because I work for myself and a lot of people don't have the same flexibility in their work schedules and in their life to be able to do this. So I recognize that I'm really fortunate to be able to do that. And at the same time, I really have to make a conscious effort to prioritize it. In terms of kind of birth control, because I think one of the things when I first learned about fertility awareness was kind of some of the things that you had brought up, right? Of like, wait, nobody told me this. <laughs> like nobody, nobody kind of told me this. I feel like back then in school, I barely remember these classes, but I almost felt like I got the fear instilled in me that I could get pregnant at any possible time. I'm always fertile. And that birth control actually always has to be hormonal. Like I know that back then probably that that wasn't the belief, but I still feel like when birth control is mentioned, the assumption is you're on some form of hormonal birth control, the, the pill or contra contraceptive pill. In terms of fertility, so what does that actually, kind of fertility awareness, what does that actually mean? And when we're going to and using it as a form of birth control, what does that actually look like? So I like to say that fertility awareness isn't necessarily birth control in and of itself like we think of other methods of contraception like the pill. So when you're taking the pill, you take it every day and it's managing your fertility for you. Or when you have an IUD, you don't really have to do anything. It's acting on your hormones or on your cervix to prevent pregnancy. With fertility awareness, you understand when in the cycle you can get pregnant and when you can't. And if you're avoiding pregnancy during the time where you can get pregnant, you make decisions based on your intention. So you pair fertility awareness with things like barrier methods, like condoms or diaphragm or perfect withdrawal or alternative sex. And then when, you, uh, when you're in the part of your cycle where pregnancy isn't possible, you can have unprotected sex without the risk of getting pregnant. So you're basically identifying your fertile window. And for each woman, it will be different. But generally, we can conceive about five to seven days per cycle. And I think, I think when you said, Julia, that you were taught that you could get pregnant all the time, I think that's a really common misconception that we're told that we're fertile 24 seven, when in reality, it's a very short time each cycle and men are fertile every day all the time for their rep whole reproductive um, life. So we use the information that our body gives us day to day to know if we've ovulated or not and how close ovulation is. When there's an egg present, we can get pregnant. When there's no egg present, there is no possibility of conception. So you're really relying on yourself and your own knowledge of your body to avoid pregnancy. And then it's really incredible because this knowledge you have for your entire life. So if you reach a life stage where you do wanna get pregnant, that same information will come in handy for you to conceive. And if you get to a life stage where you're struggling with 
hormonal imbalance, all the information that you have about your charts and about what's going on with ovulation and your cycle lengths and all that data will be incredibly useful. I think that's kind of, you know, bringing up all those misconceptions. Personally, I've been kind of instilled the fear of avoiding pregnancy at all costs, right? And this idea that, oh, you know, the only real sign of, you know, not being used in the actual sign of health, but kind of what I thought was, oh, I need some form of regular bleed. And it wasn't until very recently that I actually found out that bleeds on hormonal birth control aren't actual periods. They're withdrawal bleeds of the hormones, right? And one of the things you mentioned is that fertility awareness and really understanding your hormones is an incredibly powerful tool. And I think it's quite interesting because I kind of was, you know, taught of like, you always have to avoid getting pregnant, but there was never really this conversation of what it means to have a cycle, what it means to have a period. And I also always assumed that on hormonal birth control, the bleeds that you have is an actual kind of period, which which I learned it isn't. So when you're kind of working with women that are almost waking up to the stuff or realizing like, oh, wait a minute, like a lot of the things that I've been taught are wrong. What are some of the common misconceptions that you see? Oh, there are just so many misconceptions. And I think that really aligns with the why behind this podcast, uh, which is why I love it so much. I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said that we're taught to think that the only important thing about our cycle is our period. And I think that's a really great place to start because if you think about your sex education, if you were lucky enough to have it, you are probably taught how to use a pad or tampon and you were probably taught that you got a period each cycle and that it was loosely related to reproduction. And that was probably the extent of it when ovulation is really the main event of our cycle. And without ovulation, we wouldn't menstruate several weeks later. And if we understood ovulation, we would save women so much grief when it came time to think about conceiving because of that misconception that we can get pregnant all the time and that if it doesn't happen right away, there's something wrong with us and that when we come off the pill, we're going to get pregnant right away because we're fertile all the time. So I think just teaching girls the importance of ovulation and knowing what to pay attention to because our body is telling us through our cervical fluid, through our basal body temperature, through how we feel from day to day, where we are relative to ovulation. And I think having that knowledge of our fertility would really help people make informed choices about birth control because I think it's really important to ask how your contraception is impacting your fertility. How is your birth control functioning in your body? What is it doing to your hormones? What is it doing to ovulation? Is it preventing pregnancy through thinning your uterine lining or is it preventing ovulation altogether? I think understanding that gives you that body literacy and understanding of your own body. So I think just starting with that, that ovulation is the main event of the cycle. And then there are so many misconceptions around fertility awareness itself. So if you tell people that you're using fertility awareness, you'll have a wide range of responses, but probably something like, great, I'll see you when you're pregnant. So there's this misconception that it's ineffective 
that it's the same as the rhythm method, when the rhythm method just guesses when you ovulate based on the idea that we all have 28 day cycles and we all ovulate on day 14, which once you start charting your cycles, you'll start to note that ovulation is really finicky. It does not happen on the same day every cycle and rarely do we have textbook 28 day cycles. So the rhythm method is quite ineffective, whereas fertility awareness is reflective of your changing hormones day to day and you make decisions based on that real time information. And there's misconceptions that fertility awareness doesn't work. There have been studies that have been done on symptothermal fertility awareness taught with an instructor that shows it to be 99.6% effective at avoiding pregnancy. And the effectiveness of fertility awareness is really in your hands. So if you're really strictly avoiding pregnancy, you are going to follow the rules to a T. You are going to not cut corners. You're not going to take risks. And in turn, you're going to see a really great effectiveness. Whereas if you're kind of wishy-washy with the rules, that's when FAM failures happen. They're usually due to user error or not learning the method properly. Unfortunately, FAM isn't mainstream. It's very under the radar and a lot of people kind of happen across it because there are a lot of misconceptions. And even if you talk to doctors about fertility awareness, they often don't have accurate and factual information about the method. They often think it's the same as the rhythm method or that the effectiveness rates are very low because you know large pharmaceutical companies are able to have the money to have these really wide reach and to influence the decisions that we make. So I think those are some really great ones that usually come up. I think another one is that fertility awareness is the same as natural family planning. And natural family planning is a Catholic branch of a fertility awareness-based method. So a lot of Catholics will use this method to avoid pregnancy within their beliefs. And a lot of the research that we have has been headed by Catholic organizations. And the origins of fertility awareness are in natural family planning. However, I think a lot of women are now looking for secular forms of fertility awareness where abstinence is not the only thing that is available in the fertile window if you're wanting to avoid pregnancy. So secular fertility awareness will open up other options for intimacy in your fertile window other than abstinence, whereas natural family planning will use strictly abstinence. So I could just go on and on about other myths that we have about our fertility, but I just think that when women learn this information, they almost have this awakening because we are taught so many things about our bodies and about our fertility. And I think it's a really common experience when people learn this, that there's this mix of excitement and frustration, excitement at this whole new world of information about their bodies and then frustration that they weren't taught it sooner. Yeah, I can definitely relate to this. I mean, I think So I've decided to go off of hormonal birth control, but it took me 10 years of being on it to Google whether or not I ovulate because it just wasn't something that had crossed my mind. I was, I think, 17 at the time, wanted birth control. The only thing that was kind of mentally salient was the pill. And one of the big kind of almost realizations was like, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't mimic 
me being pregnant and I don't have real periods. And I remember having both this emotional whirlwind of why on earth has nobody taught me this earlier and why isn't everyone screaming this information off the rooftops, but also being like, oh, wow, there is so much more out there. I have so many more options. There's just so much more to learn, which is why I kind of want to dive into that. Because I think, you know, when we talk about hormones, we talk about estrogen, progesterone, we're kind of familiar with that, testosterone. But what actually happens with those hormones throughout the cycle? And why can we use things like basal body temperature to track our fertility? So if you want to find the beginning of your cycle, you look back to the first day of your last period or your most recent period. And the first day of full bleeding is day one of your cycle. At the beginning of your cycle, our hormone levels are very low. And in our ovaries, a couple of follicles or future eggs are being recruited by the hormone follicle-stimulating hormone. So follicle-stimulating hormone is telling our ovaries to start maturing several eggs. While those eggs are maturing, the hormone estrogen is slowly rising and increasing, causing an effect on our body and on our cervix. So as estrogen is rising, we can start to see increasingly watery, stretchy, clear, lubricative cervical mucus, and we can feel it at our vulva, and sometimes we can see it. So as estrogen is increasing, we're starting to see the signs that ovulation is going to happen. And once estrogen reaches its peak levels and the egg or eggs are ready to be released, the hormone luteinizing hormone, or LH, has a surge. So it spikes and triggers the release of an egg. And in the case of twins, you'll have multiple eggs. So once ovulation occurs, what's left over is called the corpus luteum. And the corpus luteum produces progesterone. And progesterone is the hormone that's dominant. If you're pregnant, it's like our nesting hormone. It's an anti-anxiety hormone, it helps us sleep, and it has a normalizing effect on our cells. So progesterone becomes the dominant hormone after ovulation. So before ovulation, cervical mucus is telling us that ovulation is going to happen. We cannot know ahead of time with any certainty when ovulation is going to happen. So as a sidebar, there are devices and apps that claim to predict ovulation when nobody can predict ovulation. We can have an idea based on past cycle data, but even with that, any lifestyle changes or stress or travel can change the time of ovulation to earlier or later than we're used to. So once ovulation takes place, we can know for sure that it's actually happened looking backwards, but we can't know ahead of time when it's going to happen. So once ovulation's happened, we have that rise in progesterone and progesterone causes a warming effect in the body. And we're able to measure that by taking our basal body temperature each day. So our basal body temperature is our resting temperature and we take it at the same time every day to get a relative picture of what it is each day because it rises by a very small amount, about 0.2 Celsius. Once ovulations happened, our basal body temperature rises we can be certain that ovulation has taken place and the egg only lives for 12 to 24 hours. So it's a very brief moment in time and it's a very hormonally charged event. Once that happens, 
it's about the same time from ovulation to your next period. So for you, Julia, if it's 10 days, you can expect it's going to be around 10 days each cycle from ovulation to menstruation. And it can range all the way up until, you know, like 16 days. And so there's a, a range of time from person to person that that will take. So that's how we can use cervical mucus and basal body temperature to identify ovulation. And then we can also add in other fertility signs. So you may have heard of um, LH testing. So that's where you measure your urine levels of luteinizing hormone, which surge before ovulation. And so when you get that positive LH test, you know that ovulation may take place in the next day or two. And then there's also now urine progesterone tests. So you can test after ovulation for your progesterone levels to see if ovulation has taken place. So you can use that information, which is really simple. I mean, for some people, it feels overwhelming because we haven't been taught it before. But once you understand how this shows up in your own body, in your own fertility chart, it's really quite common sense how uh, FAM works for birth control. I was just going to say, because I think one of the things when I first started looking into into FAM and, and kind of other options of birth control and just also overall learning more about the, the female body, it sounds quite complex. It sounds like a lot. It definitely sounds like a lot more than, you know, taking a pill every single evening or morning. But what I find really interesting about it is that with the combined, and it obviously always depends what kind of hormones people take, but with a combined pill, you don't have any of those fluctuations, right? You don't, you essentially kind of flatline your hormones. So when we talk about feminine health and when we talk about health in general, why is that cycle so important? Yeah, you're right, Julia, in that when you go on the pill, and I remember hearing this, I don't even remember how I heard this, but I knew somehow, or I was told that when we're on the pill, it's like we're pregnant. It's like a natural event, right? Our body thinks we're pregnant, which is why we can't get pregnant, which just is not true. When you understand the cyclical rise and fall of our hormones that occur naturally when we're cycling. So if we're not breastfeeding, we're not in menopause, or we're not on hormonal birth control, being on the pill is like being in menopause. There is no cyclical rise and fall of hormones. From day to day, it's about the same. So the reason why it's so important to have that cyclical rise and fall is because our hormones are responsible for so much more than just reproduction. So our hormones are chemical messengers that are transported through our blood. And estrogen and progesterone are just two hormones. So while they are, they do play a role in our menstrual cycle and in ovulation, we have receptors for estrogen and progesterone on almost all of our major organs, including our brain. So estrogen is responsible for building bone cells, building muscle cells, and brain cells. It binds to serotonin receptors, so it triggers this feel-good feeling in the body. And progesterone stabilizes and normalizes those same cells. It repairs brain neurotransmitters, 
and it stimulates a feeling of calm, of promoting good sleep, of reducing anxiety. So all of these hormones, we can't just take those out and expect everything to work normally. Just ask anybody who's had negative side effects on the birth control pill. We can't just say, oh, we're not going to get pregnant. We're going to take this medication and not have any other effects on our physiology. So we just don't have the same benefit of ovulation when we're not normally cycling or producing our own hormones. So that's one of the last topics I want to dive into is hormone healing. So you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier on that ovulation is one of the first things to go in in our body if, if things are kind of haywire. So when it comes to transitioning, coming off hormonal birth control or or just transition phases in our lives, what are some of the things that we can do to heal our hormones or to regulate our cycles or to get our cycles back? Because it actually takes quite a long time for the body to kind of get back into the swing of things. Yeah. So coming off hormonal birth control is one way that our hormones are disrupted. And you're right. For some people, it does take a long time for things to regulate. And there are a couple factors in how your body will respond after you come off. The longer that you've been on your method of contraception, usually that will impact the length of time that it takes things to regulate. If you had underlying hormonal imbalance before you went on the birth control pill, which is very common because the pill is kind of like a cure-all for things like PCOS, acne, painful periods, you name it. So lots of people go on the pill with pre-existing hormonal imbalance and it's not really, the root cause of that isn't dealt with when you go on the pill. So when you come off, you can probably expect that 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 will still be there. But other things can crop up even when we haven't been on the pill. We can still have, uh, we can still experience hormonal imbalance because our hormones are involved in so many different processes in the body, if we have an imbalance in another area in our body, that will show up in our cycles. So for me, I was able to pinpoint some underlying issues when I started realizing that my cycles were very long. And we can look at the normal ranges of cycles, which are regular ovulation, having cycles between 24 and 36 days, uh, having relatively regular bleeds. So bleeds where you're not bleeding too little or too much and they're not painful to the point that you have to miss work or you're, you're, um, it's impacting your life. So all of those markers are things that we can look out for when we chart. And for me, I was able to realize that I had symptoms of PCOS and working with a naturopath and changing a lot of the things that I eat, making sure that I have stable blood sugar levels, I was able to help regulate my cycles. So for somebody who may have some signs of hormone imbalance, I think the first thing that I would do is actually start charting your cycles because it gives you a really great baseline if you do go to work with a practitioner to have that extra layer of data. So we can have blood work done to assess our hormone levels, which I think is really helpful. But when we have our chart, we can have really real-time information as to what might be going on. 
And what is it you're charting? So we're charting our cycle days. We're charting basal body temperature. We're charting cervical mucus. And when we're charting, we're able to assess a whole bunch of different biomarkers. Like um, we're able to assess thyroid health when we're charting basal body temperature. Whether you're ovulating or not, we can see in your chart. So all of these things are clues as to what might be going on. So charting your cycle and... Like you said, when we're under stress, ovulation is the first thing to go. So if you think of biologically, when your body is under any type of stress, oftentimes we'll see anovulatory cycles because it doesn't make sense for you to get pregnant if there is a lot of stress in your environment. So during coronavirus, I was seeing a lot of people with anovulatory cycles and just people dealing with exceptional circumstances. So making it safe for your body to ovulate, reducing stress and doing things that you enjoy and scheduling around your cycle and recognizing that you don't have limitless resources and you can't be everything to everyone all the time are ways to tell your body that it's safe to ovulate. So there are a lot of different ways to heal hormones and I think it just really depends on what you're working on and what you're going through and what your symptoms are. But a really great place to start is to actually start tracking your cycle. And I think with that comes also this whole notion of, you know, getting into the driver's seat of your own own health. One of the things you had mentioned is that there's a lot of industries actually benefiting from us not having that knowledge. If you want to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think that when we have this information, we become incredibly self-reliant. So we don't actually need anyone or anything to avoid pregnancy, get pregnant, or have incredible insight into our health. We don't need to have a recurring prescription. We don't need to book an appointment. We don't need to reach out to anybody else but ourselves. And I think that information is incredibly powerful and threatening to companies that benefit from us not knowing about our bodies. So even in the fertility awareness, I wouldn't even really call it in the fertility awareness world, but there are apps and devices that basically predict ovulation and give you a green, yellow, or red day each day to tell you if you're safe for unprotected sex or not. So they're basically marketed as contraceptive devices using some of the information of fertility awareness, but kind of missing 99% of the information because we can't actually predict ovulation. And a lot of these devices inaccurately mark temperature shifts and ovulation and all of that type of stuff. We look at FAM and like you said, it seems very complex. So we we think that using these devices or relying on something else will give us the confidence to use the method. But when we actually learn the basics of fertility awareness, it becomes very simple and clear and we can actually interpret our own charts ourselves without relying on anything else and it's much more effective. So I think that this is a big reason why we aren't taught this information because fertility awareness doesn't make any pharmaceutical companies any money. And I think a lot of doctors are skeptical 
about it because they don't realistically have the time to sit down and teach you fertility awareness, which is completely fair. That's not their job. But we don't have these systems in place that allow people to learn about this as an option. It's easier to prescribe the pill and, you know, it feels much more reliable to do that. So if someone is interested in transitioning or potentially learning fam because it, it, it does take a while to to learn and you you know you got to make sure that you actually fully understand it what are some of the things that you would recommend to kind of get started or what are some of the resources that are out there i'm really glad that you mentioned that because i i really do think that fertility awareness isn't for everybody you really do need to be committed to learning the method fully if you're wanting to avoid pregnancy and i often say that you can't half-ass fertility awareness you have to learn it fully and you have to you have to commit to the method so it is kind of it is that learning curve and it is it does take time for it to become a habit and for it to really be an established part of your life but once it is It's something that will be a part of you for a really long time. So with saying that, if you're wanting to avoid pregnancy, if you wanted to use FAM as birth control, there are a couple of different ways that you can go about it. So there is a book called Taking Charge of Your Fertility that is one of the best self-teaching manuals for fertility awareness. It's also quite long and quite detailed. So if you're really motivated, people have successfully taught themselves fertility awareness. There's another manual teaching the sense plan method of symptothermal fertility awareness, which you can find at reply OBGYN. And then the other route is to work with a fertility awareness instructor. And in the studies that they've done on fertility awareness, to maximize effectiveness, people are working with instructors because the benefit of that is that they can review your fertility charts and make sure that you have everything marked correctly. So finding an instructor, there's instructors all over the world that teach in different languages, that teach um, mainly online. So you can probably find someone who aligns with your beliefs and your personality and that teaches in a structure that works for you. But that would be, you know, the fastest way to learn fertility awareness is to work with an instructor. If you're if you're wanting to learn FAM for health, if you're curious about tracking ovulation, or if you're thinking about coming off hormonal birth control, I have an ebook called Inner Cycles that teaches you how to track ovulation for health. And I think that I'm biased, but I think it's a really great way to just get in your feet wet in the world of fertility awareness and to have a sense of what it's about um, and to start tracking your cycle just to see if you ovulate and when you ovulate and use that information to assess your hormonal health. Because it's not as easy as, especially if you're on hormonal birth control, I believe, to just kind of jump into starting FAM because, you know, once you stop hormonal birth control, you're also waiting for ovulation to return and everything to kind of get back into the swing of things. So learning the method while there doesn't seem to be kind of as regular recycle also comes with a little bit of a nuance. Is that correct? So I think if people are on a hormonal birth control, I think you're right. I think it is a good idea to learn a method well. So if you're working with an instructor, you can start learning the fundamentals before you come off hormonal birth control. 
For some people, their cycles will return right away. And for others, it will take some time for things to regulate. You might have, you know, really unpredictable, irregular cycles for the first few months. And the only way that you'll know is if you come off. That's the only way that we know for sure what it's going to be like. With fertility awareness, we usually say that you need to chart three cycles before relying on the method for birth control, which means having unprotected sex in certain times of your cycle. So there's about a three cycle, I mean, and a cycle could be a month, it could be longer or shorter, but you need those three cycles after you've come off the pill in order to practice that charting and to make sure that you've really got a good hang of it. So in the meantime, you can talk to your partner about what alternative methods you want to use in that window of time, whether it's using condoms or uh, perfect withdrawal, alternative sex. I mean, anything that's not hormonal, well, not necessarily anything that's not hormonal, not copper IUD, but you're going to need to have some type of method when you're fertile unless you want to abstain from sex. So talking to your partner about what you want to use in that three cycle window as well as when you're fertile and then you can just come off the pill and see what happens and not worry about the potential for pregnancy. You'll want to use those barrier methods or whatever you decide all the time. Yeah, there's just so much to go into. There's so many amazing resources out there. I actually stumbled upon you first by looking at your blog, which is something I've never thought I'd look up is a cervical mucus in pictures because Mm -hmm. illustrations in books are not helpful on that topic (laughs) at all. So you've got amazing resources on your website as well for anyone to check those out. To wrap things up, I always like to ask five questions. The first being what book changed your life or shifted your mindset? The first book that came to mind is the book called This Is Your Brain on Birth Control by Sarah Hill. And it's a book about what we've been talking about. So it kind of fits in with this conversation, but it really affirmed a lot of the information that I already knew. And it framed things in a way that really confirmed that I'm doing the right thing and that I'm on the right path. Amazing. And then following on from that, what are your sources of strength or inspiration? I feel like... I could be working all the time because I'm constantly inspired by the work that I do and by being creative and demonstrating and showing a lot of these concepts to the people that I work with. But my source of strength is really acknowledging that cyclical rise and fall of creativity and honoring that. I think there's so much power in that as well. Mm -hmm. What is your secret to success? Oh, I think it really ties into the last question. I think part of it is really honoring and challenging hustle culture by living in line with my inner rhythms. And I think it's a constant effort of really just showing up as myself and not trying to fit into someone else's definition of success or someone else's box. That kind of answered the the question after that is, what is your definition of success? I think that it really is connected to having the freedom and flexibility to live my days in a way that is honoring and doesn't push. 
Amazing. And last but not least, what advice would you have liked to hear when you started to live life a little differently? Just to trust the one next step and to know that it all is going to unfold as it should. Amazing. So we've kind of mentioned your ebook and your blog as well, but if people want to find more about you, where can they find you? My website is fertilityawarenessproject.ca and there are a ton of resources on there all about fertility awareness and hormone healing. My Instagram is at fertilityawarenessproject. I have a podcast with another fertility awareness educator and it's called Body Literacy Babes. And then um, the ebook that I mentioned is the Inner Cycles ebook and you can find that on my website as well. Amazing. And I'll also put all the links in the show notes. Well, thank you so, so much for being on this podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much, Julia, for having me. Uh, I just love exploring this topic, and I'm so, so glad there are people like Natalie who challenge the notions we have about our health, about our hormones, fertility, and contraceptions. We need more people like her so we can all become our own advocates. If this is your first time listening to the Modern Day Rebels podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. It's free and means you will receive new episodes right as they come out. Please do share episodes you love and that inspire you with friends, family, and colleagues because the only way to tackle taboos is to talk more about the things we're told we're not supposed to talk about. If you want to take a deeper dive into the topics we explore and talk about in this podcast, you can subscribe to my bi-weekly newsletter. The link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and spending time with me. I truly appreciate it. Hope you're staying safe and see you next time. 